welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Court of Three Stands. Last week, we talked about the sociology of the church, primarily about who is in the visible church and the necessity of church membership. What is in store for us today, Ron? Well, last week we focused on who consists of the visible church. Today is the beginning of a four-part series on what the visible church does. So, you know, what is the work of God's people? And uh, today we're going to talk about worship. Next week, we'll talk about evangelism. The third week, we're going to talk about uh, spiritual warfare, primarily in the idea of intercessory prayer and truth-telling. And uh, that'll be kind of an interesting one. I think Actually, all of them will be interesting. Please turn in for all of them. But, don't, miss, don't miss any. But no, yeah. <laughs> but three, three will be kind of fun. And then four is, is the idea of caring for God's people. So th- those four things, I think, primarily are the work of God's people, worship, evangelism, the spiritual warfare, and um, care for God's people. So today we're going to talk about worship, and the the word I'm going to use is liturgy. And this is derived from a technical term in ancient Greek, uh, liturgia, which literally means work for the people um, or the idea of public service. So we've talked already Um, maybe it was Noah and I, I think at the very beginning, we talked about the church, the ecclesia of God is, um, in the ancient world, the the Greco-Roman world, you'd have a particular city, um, which is a kingdom of its own. And there would be the, the, the assembly of the people in order to do something, (laughs) you know, to make law or to do whatever, um, that assembly was the called out ones, the ecclesia. Jesus uses that name for his church, the the ecclesia, the called out ones. He's the king. He's made a kingdom. And then there's the assembly of his people, the ecclesia. And in the ancient Greco-Roman world and Greek too, the people gathered together did this particular work. And we get the term liturgy. So the church or ecclesia is the assembled people of Christ's kingdom. And the people are gathered to do work sometimes that a public service uh, for or on behalf of the people. Ron, is that Greek word in the New Testament? All over. Every time we see church, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, liturgy. Yes. Um, yeah, work of the people. It's it's not necessarily compound. Okay. But um, it, it's there. And and the, the, the funny thing is, in the Greek-speaking world, the idea of gathering together as an ecclesia implies liturgy. 
Okay. That's, that's just. It's assumed. It's assumed. It's what you, what you did. So when, when the church developed its worship, it was given the name liturgy. It's mm-hmm. the work. It's the work for the people or the work on behalf of the people that the people of God do. Mm-hmm. They do liturgy. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we talked about how in a previous episode, um, I think it was in the burn at you season one, burning at flourishing. Um, we, if you haven't listened to season one, you should all probably listen to that after you listen to this podcast uh, episode. But um, we, we talked about the idea of, uh, worship going back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you recall, in the middle of the Garden of Eden, where God put Adam and Eve, there were two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. And the idea here is, is that in the middle of the life of man is uh, worship. That is, as Adam and Eve see the tree of life, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, they know what it represents his word. God said, you can eat of any of the trees of the garden, but of this one you're not to eat, um, lest you you die. So that so Adam and Eve would would see the tree in their midst. They would um, believe him, and, and thus obey him. Um, another word for that would be faith, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would, in gratitude, take and eat of the tree of life, and commune with God forever. Mm-hmm. So the the pattern of worshiping God was set in the garden of hearing God's word and uh, putting your faith in it, obeying it, listening, and then uh, communing with him by taking and eating the tree of life and living for him. And so from that time on, there's all, that's always been the pattern of hearing God's word uh, and then communing with him. Mm-hmm. So the question is, I guess, well, what, what do we do now? Right? So mm-hmm. here's the Christian church. The visible church has been formed. Uh, Christ has called us to himself. Um, we've been baptized into his body. And, um, and now what are we doing on the Lord's day when we gather together? Well, we, we do the liturgy. So the, the way I, I like to talk about it is this. A king has created a kingdom, Jesus. He is the king. And, um, and he, has, he has come into his kingdom and we've been summoned to go before the king. Okay? So when we think of going to church, think of it as God has called us to assemble before the king. And when we come, you generally have these kind of elements, right? First thing you generally have as you enter into the presence of the king is a call to worship him. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of times you might have a son called to worship or you might have a scripture read or something that basically says we need to abs- ascribe worth, which is what worship means to this um, to this to our God, mm-hmm. to our king, our the Lord Jesus Christ. So we we generally ascribe worth in songs of praise. Right. We praise the king for what he's done. We praise the king for um, who he is what he's like. We, um, sometimes that praise is to the father. Sometimes it's to the son. Um, we do this together, um, in the power of the Holy spirit. But usually I want us to think about this. Think about a King coming into a city and, uh, 
assembling the people before him. Okay, just think of that in your mind. The king has come. He's assembled his people before him. You, you have a herald or something that announces the king, um, and the, the people acclaim him. There's some sort of way in which they're showing his worth. And the king is there to, to give his word, right? This, this promise or this law or whatever it might be. But before you move to that, the first thing that's probably going to happen is after his worth has been ascribed is that um, the people need to be right with their king. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be a confession of how we've been unfaithful, mm-hmm. right? Uh, God, we know that, you know, Lord, uh, we know this has been your command to us and we haven't upheld our end um, and we beg for his mercy. Mm-hmm. So that that's right. So if if we're we're not gonna we're not gonna get to the part where we're communing with the king, we're we're not gonna be sharing bread with the king if we've been unfaithful. Right. Without reconciliation. Without reconciliation and a commitment to knock it off. Right. right? To faithfulness. Yeah. Faithfulness. Yeah. All right. So Jesus has conquered. Jesus has called us to himself. We we're called to worship him. We ascribe worth, and in doing that. We become conscious of our own unfaithfulness. In in uh, in contrast to Jesus's faithfulness, in contrast to His love, in contrast to what um, He has done on our behalf, um, we have failed in thought and word and deed daily. Mm-hmm. And so the so in order to proceed, we we confess our sin, mm-hmm. and and so we confess our unfaithfulness to Him. Uh, our sin, and and this is this is a big a big point. And I've had when I was pastored, I had many conversations with certain people on it, and and part of it is um, if if you're ever interested in uh, studying someone who struggled with understanding the gospel, uh, Martin Luther is a great person to look at in his to his life. So at one point, Martin Luther was so afraid of God, so afraid of of Jesus. Because he kept confessing his sin, and then he would leave the confessional and remember a new sin, and he'd have to go run back. And it, and it would, and he would think in his mind, maybe I forgot to confess a particular sin. Mm-hmm. And he was so worried that if he died that night, he he might go to hell because he didn't have every one of his particular sins confessed aloud to to his confessor or to to God. Um, and I've had other people. Th- think that too. And uh, the idea is, I, I believe, is when we're coming together as the body of Christ to confess our sin, we are confessing sins, especially the ones that come to mind. But primarily, we are confessing our unfaithfulness. Generally. Generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That I'm a sinner. Right. I've been unfaithful. Mm-hmm. I have failed our king. In my thoughts, I failed him in my my words. I failed him in my deeds, um, doing things that I shouldn't do, and also leaving undone things I should do. Mm-hmm. And and if we were to try to number all the things that were individually of the things that we've done, it would go on and on and on, and we would be like Martin Luther, and right. and and confused. The idea then of coming before the king is simply to admit I'm an unfaithful one. And as a people, we are. 
unfaithful and corporately. A, and corporately we're unfaithful mm-hmm. and we're, we're seeking God's mercy. Mm-hmm. We need forgiveness, right? So we ascribe worth, we confess our unfaithfulness, and then there's an announcement of that forgiveness, right, by mm-hmm. God's word. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boom, period. Praise we'll stop, God. right? That's yes. That's a promise. Yes. If we do this, he's going to do this. And so we, we announce that the forgiveness of our sins is announced, and we can then express our thanks to him. So in response to his mercy, in response to such this great thing, we, we, are, we swell with gratitude and we give thanks to him. And there's many ways we do that. A lot of times we do it through singing songs. Sometimes it's just verbal expressions. Um, sometimes it's the, the, the giving of our tithes and our offerings as a response of thanksgiving to what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's numerous ways we can do that, but there's, a, there's an expression of thanksgiving. And, that, and so now once we're reconciled with our king, um, there, there are two things that are going to need to happen or should happen. One is God is going to speak to us. Our king is going to speak to us, and also we're going to speak to him. So he's going to tell us uh, what we are to believe and what we're to do. And we're going to tell him what we need. Mm-hmm. Right. So we beseech our king. Right. So where this happens in the service, sometimes it's before the sermon, sometimes it's after. But the idea is, is that um, we as his people, he is our king. We've been reconciled with him. There are things that we need. And, and we, we beseech our king for his grace, mm-hmm. right? Can you help us with these, these things, with, with those who are sick, with those who are, um, need strength, those who need faith? You know, um, we, general help. Mm-hmm. We need, we all, we're in constant need of his mercy and help. Yes. And so we beseech God for those things. And then, um, and then this, then it comes to the, the, the big time thing. We hear from God's word through his, through the reading of scripture, and we hear it expounded, um, God's word preached to us from the sermon. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we're to take this is, ought to, <laughs> is that the words coming from my pastor's mouth are the words of God. It, it, it you know, of course, my pastor is frail and, you know, human, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be Perfect. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us that when when we listen, we we need to um, discern and hold fast to what's good and reject what's evil. Yeah, be right? a Berean, right? Yes, be a Berean. Test mm-hmm. the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? So, so it it is. Um, so that which is good, that is really what God's word is saying. I I have a uh, responsibility to believe and to obey, mm-hmm. um, as if the King Himself has said it. Spoken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So reading the scripture, preaching his word uh, is a is a, a crucial thing. Um, and and that and that comes to this place of us having to say yes. Right. We've heard his word read. We've heard it proclaimed. And, and we need to respond to that. Um, so, again, it's the king has visited us. He is he is telling us what he wants. You should you need to believe this about me. You need to believe in this promise, and you need to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and our response needs to be a yes and amen. Mm-hmm. 
And again, our your our church services could be a variety of ways of doing it. We could we can sing a song of of uh, that's of a claim, or of uh, we could uh, we can simply say Amen. We could, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's all sorts of ways in which that could be done. But that's the idea of renewing renewing our fealty to Him. Mm-hmm. Like we were unfaithful, and you've forgiven us. Now we've heard His word. And and we're saying yes to it that we're gonna we're vowing to be faithful again to our King, and then of course the the last part of it, which is great, is now we receive from Him the grace of communion, right? Of communing with Him, of of living forever. That He He has set His His kingdom in order. Um, we have been forgiven as His people. Uh, he gives us His body and His blood as uh, um, as tokens. Uh, to us, and we receive them in the form of bread and and wine, and um, and and in that that gratitude of of communing with Him and of being restored, we're then sent out back into the world with blessing, and and that's essentially what the liturgy of the church has historically been, and um, in in our context in twenty first century America. Um, you can mostly see that in most church services, mm-hmm. and hopefully, if you're listening to us and your your church has nothing like that, I would suggest talking to your pastor. Like have him have him take a listen to this podcast. Um, I I can recommend lots of books. Uh, one of my favorite things to study was liturgical theology, <laughs> and and the yeah. history of liturgy and 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 why we do what we do. And and I'm now, now hear me too, I I'm not a uh, I'm not a stickler that says it has to be this way, right? There's um, the, the t- cultural appropriation. How does that sound? <laughs> There's a I I would imagine that if I were to be a missionary to um a a, a native tribe in Papua New Guinea, the way they worship is going to be different from the way they worship in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. You have different language. You have different ways to express yourself. There's, right? Yeah. So it's it's not that the, the church is going to be uniform in its liturgical practice, mm-hmm. but there there is a, a, a uniformity in the liturgical elements, mm-hmm. right? There, there's now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something on behalf of my Baptist brethren. Hello, Baptist brethren. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> um, there, there. I, I do remember um, in one of my studies talking about the Baptists, and that a lot of times if you go to a Baptist church, they might not have a confession, a corporate confession of sin, and the idea was that the Baptist family was to prepare themselves for worship by having a time of confession before they come. Mm. And I thought, I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And if people were doing that, I, I, I would still say that the church ought to do it corporately because mm-hmm. there are corporate sins mm-hmm. to confess. Um, but that's, a, that's kind of a neat thing. What, what's a better way to prepare yourself to coming to church to meet the king than to, to confess your sins beforehand, preparing yourself to come before him. 
I love that idea. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Baptist out there and your church isn't confessing its sin together, I please, I, I pray you're holding up your tradition because yes, Baptists have tradition is that you're, you are confessing your sins uh, corporately as the, you know, the, the, the father of the house is gathering his kids together and you guys are confessing sins before coming to church. That's awesome. Um, but I don't think most people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something about the, the holiness of our king and the, the unholiness of his people. Right. We, we can't assume, we can't presume that we could just willy-nilly come before God. Right. I mean, it sort of begs the question, using the, thinking about the Greek word for church. Yeah. Being this group of people that God is calling to himself, that there is a place for that group to corporately confess in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways you could argue, or you could ask if, if it's, I don't know, it's, it feels very American to, to think, well, we can individually confess our sin. And then maybe that could lead to why, why even meet as a body. Yeah. Now here's something even, uh, even more controversial. Ooh, controversy. <clears throat> this show never delves into controversial things. Never. Never. But um, here's here's the other controversial part. And and I remember um, someone talking to me about this when I was pastoring. And that is we have, in a sense, also are uh, confessing the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. So the idea of confessing um, the sins of America, because we're Americans, is part of what we do as the as American the church. as the American church mm-hmm. as those who have been uh called out from the church to be his people um that we are doing a work on behalf of mm-hmm. of our world yeah right that, and the and the people right, right that might be like our public service Correct. perhaps that has that yes flavor so so here's a okay so here's where the controversy goes even further and um, I, I'm hoping that I'm not going to lose audience members on this. Like, like seriously, and I, I know people get really ruffled over this, right? Um, it, in some sense, uh, you know, when, when uh, the, the, the country is talking about racism, and we admit that there's, there has been and is racism, and that it's negatively affected, um, our, our brothers and sisters of color, mm-hmm. uh, that it is not wrong for the church to corporately confess racism, even if you don't think you are guilty of racism, mm-hmm. because we're doing this as a work on behalf of people. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I'm going to spare, I'll, I'll give you an a, a example of this. And, and we're going to talk a lot about this in episode, whatever it is, the third one, the one on spiritual warfare, where I said it would be interesting. Yeah. 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 Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about this more at length, but remember when the angels of God or God comes to Abraham and Abraham is uh, hanging out and they say, Hey, you know, Abraham's going to be this great nation. We should tell him what we're about to do. Mm -hmm. And they said, the cry has gone out great from Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's not just Sodom and Gomorrah. It's all five cities of the plain, Sodom, Gomorrah, uh, Adma, Zoboyim, and, and Zoar. It's so bad down there 
we are going down there ourselves to see the wicked, if it's truly wicked, and, uh, and then judge them and destroy them. Mm-hmm. And, and Abraham's response is not, well, yeah, they're horrible. Please go Please. for it. Thank goodness you're finally getting around to destroying those people. <laughs> those guys are horrible. I want them to slide right off into the ocean. That is not what Abraham did. Abraham stood before the Lord and asked that they be spared for the sake of, you know. Not very many. Not very many. End. Got yeah. down to 10, mm-hmm. right? W- would you for the sake of it? And, and God was willing to do that. God, God was willing to do that. He's, he is beseeching God to spare these wicked, vile cities. Did, did Abraham not know? Of course Abraham knew. Mm-hmm. Lot lives down in Sodom. He knows how horrible these people are. Mm-hmm. And he's asking God to spare them for the sake of the righteous who might be living there. And, um, and, and guess what? The, ultimately what happens, he destroys four of the cities and spares an entire city for the sake of Lot. That's it. I mean, so think how... Mm-hmm. Gracious and merciful God is. Mm-hmm. He spared an entire wicked city for the sake of Lot, one person. It, it, God takes no pleasure in destroying people mm. to, and, and judging them uh, so harshly. Um, and it, 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 Abraham becomes our model. Mm-hmm. Right? There's some wicked stuff happening on. We should pray for them. We should beseech God on, uh, for them. Mm-hmm. That God would be merciful, that God would change their hearts, that God would, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and the the, uh, the the word I think that the um, church has used in the past, the Catholics uh, still use it, and I think it's a good word that needs to be redeemed because the communists have taken it, <laughs> and that's solidarity. Mm-hmm. You know, part of Catholic social teaching is this idea of solidarity. We're in this all together, mm-hmm. right? So when we're when we are when we are in the liturgy, the work of the people, the work on behalf of the people, um, we're, we're taking on a role as priests, and we're lifting up the world before God and asking God's help. We're asking God to, to, for his mercy. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so part of that is seeing ourselves in solidarity with the sinful world, even though we've been called out of it. Mm-hmm. It's and it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. So it, it this is where things I'm I'm sounding controversial, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple things now really quick about going to church to worship. It should always be uncomfortable. We're going to meet the King Jesus. He's God. Right? Mm-hmm. This this is um this is an uncomfortable thing because you're a sinner. And he is not a sinner. He is holy, and we are not. And he's going to tell us to do things and tell us to believe things, and we're going to fail at them. And, and we can't just be people who decide, well, you know, maybe that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a difficult thing. It's, it's an uncomfortable thing, and we have to... Not get used to uncomfortableness, but I will say if you're not comfortable, if you're not uncomfortable at church, maybe you need to find another church. Or better yet, um, examine your heart and ask why are you not mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Um, the second thing is, is that we're going to, as priests, be involved in messy things. 
right? Mm-hmm. And our desire to to be, I don't know, perfect or whatever, I, I don't know what it is, um, can can kind of hinder the things that we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, am I racist? I don't think I'm racist. Do I do racist things? I don't think so. Have I? Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. So why don't I just admit that and confess it mm-hmm. and and uh, understand that I've I've probably been part of the problem? I think what happens is that in this particular instance, um, there there's been a lot of uh, I think satanic work being done. Yes. To try to um, divide people over race, to make people uh, feel guilty or or I, I don't know, um, but it's a satanic work meant to divide rather than to bring people together under the banner of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I get that kind of pushback, but I think some of it is just to hear again, this concept that we might do things on behalf of others, mm-hmm. but that's part of what it means to be priests of our God. Right. Right. So the, the, the word of the day, I remember when our board met together and we talked about goals for this year, um, that idea of, 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 being a peculiar people, mm-hmm. right? What does it mean that the church is a peculiar people? Well, part of it means is that we're priests. <laughs> right. That's a peculiar thing. It's really weird. We're going to lift the world up before God. We're going to take, we're going to lift sinful humanity up before God and ask for mercy. We're going to, we're going to do those things. And it's, it's uh, it could be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, tough, get used to it. Right, grow up. You're you're a priest for crying out loud. Yeah, you've That's, been called to it. You've been called to it, mm-hmm. and whatever God calls you to, He's going to give you what is needed to 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 do the task. Mm-hmm. So, man up, even you ladies, <laughs> you're priests. Yep. Well, that was that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, that's the idea of, of literature. So what is God calling the church to do the visible church? What are we doing? Well, one is we're gathering together on the Lord's day uh, to worship him. And it is the King who has conquered. He's invited us. One last thing. I'm well, I got to, I got a couple more things. I, I was about to wrap it up. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things. One is, um, the call to worship. Okay. One of the things that drives me nuts, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and, and maybe I'll be controversial here, but I want to assure you on this that I'm right. That sounds very arrogant of me, but I am. Okay. Let us have it, Ron. Here it is. Ready? Yep. We're not in church trying to invite him to us. That's pagan. That's the, that's the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel trying to get God to do something. We're not gathering together trying to worship God enough to get the right buzz feeling in order for him to show up. That is not what we do on, on worship. That's not Christian. Okay? Mm-hmm. When we're gathering together for worship on the Lord's Day, God is the one that's calling us to him. We're coming because we're the ones that have been called by him to to gather there. We're not inviting him in to our presence. He's invited us into his presence. And the whole problem with that is we're sinners and we need to confess our sins in order to enjoy that fully. Mm -hmm. So, so don't, so, so think through this. Like if, 
again, you know, if, if this is a practice at your church, you maybe you should talk to your pastor and worship leaders. We're not trying to invite God into our thing. God's the one that's invited us to hear his word mm. that we might, right? We're not trying to manipulate God. Oh God, if we do this and this, maybe he'll come and bless us mm -hmm. on our way. No, 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 no. God has business to do with us and he's called us to him. Uh, and, and so our call to worship is a call to remind us of what we're about to do, which is ascribe worth to our king who's invited us in his presence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, da, 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 before there's some people going, I'm going to prove Mr. Young wrong. Um, or I keep calling myself Mr. Young because that's what Noah always calls me. I'm here with Allison Tuttle and she calls me Ron. And so I'm going to call myself Ron. And, that is, and that's this. There are times when God has been, uh, because of judgment, that God's presence may be absent. And there, it's in the midst of some sort of uh, a time of judgment that it's a perfectly appropriate thing to call out to God and ask him to come because you're ready to confess. That's a different thing. Mm -hmm. you're, the normal practice on a Lord's Day is, is simply understanding God is the one that's called you to himself. Uh, look back at Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. Who's, who's hiding and who's coming mm -hmm. after? It's Adam and Eve are hiding and it's God that's out looking for them. Where are you? Right? It, that's, that is the pattern in Scripture. We're the ones hiding. God is the one calling us. And so, so the call to worship should reflect. Second thing that I forgot I was going to address is the whole idea, and it, it goes along with the cultural aspect. Um, when we gather together for such a work, what, what should the mood be? What should the, what should the dress be? What should the, mm -hmm. does this make sense? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I think that it's, there's, it's going to, there's going to be some sort of cultural aspect to this. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of cultural aspect to this. Um, you, we know that we're coming before the Lord. And so we ought to dress appropriately and go before him appropriately. What that means might be different for other people in their, you know, their socioeconomic stage or, you know, what have you. The, the, the hard part with this is I've, it's been in my lifetime, right? So when I was a kid in the seventies, the, 1970s. That wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old. Everyone got dressed up to go to church. The whole idea of this, your Sunday best, mm -hmm. right? That was the, that's where it comes from. You're going to church. You dressed up to go to church as a poor kid. We're not wearing suits and ties because we didn't own suits and ties, but we wore our best jeans and we wore our best shirts yeah. to go to church. Mm -hmm. Most men had a tie on when they went to church. Even if they're blue collar workers, they had a tie for church, you know, a suit for weddings, for funerals to go to church, you know, that, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, what happened in the 1980s is this idea of seeker sensitive or seeker driven. We're going to recreate church so that people who don't go to church are going to feel comfortable. Which defeats the whole purpose of church. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, oh, this person would never come into church. We think part of it would be they'd feel uh, like uncomfortable because everyone's dressed up and we shouldn't make everyone dress up. So they're on. And so 
after a few decades of that kind of thinking, uh, no one expects to do anything. Like the whole idea is, is the demand now that the churches are going to acquiesce to my own desires to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's not about meeting Jesus. It's about my demands to be comfortable. And then we remake Jesus in our own image. Right. Right. Oh, the Jesus I worship. I'm supposed to just come as I am and he has to accept me. Mm -hmm. So there, right. That sounds so ridiculous. I hope everyone knows how ridiculous that sounds. It's laughable. It is. That is a laughable idea. He is the Lord God. He is the King. When his very best friends who knew him on planet earth, like John sees him in heaven exalted, he falls down like he's dead. Right. Right. I mean, the, the, the grandeur, the holiness, everything of him is like, are you the last thing on my mind is going to be my insistence on feeling comfortable. Right now, again, I'm not prescribing to you. I'm not saying to you, uh, dear listener, this means you have to go out and spend a bunch of money to buy really nice things so you can go to church. Don't, I didn't say that. And I won't say that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, make your, it's part of your worship, right? It's part of the idea of ascribing worth to God and how you're dressed. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go meet a friend, I'm going to dress casually, you know, nicely. If it's on a Friday night and it's date night with my wife, I'll dress up even nicer, right? Because it's date night. Right. If I'm going to meet, uh, as a school, if I'm going to meet a donor, I'm not going to show up in ratty shorts and a t-shirt. I'm going to dress up. Mm -hmm. I want to make a good impression with a mere human being who just happens to have some money. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go meet with the governor of Wisconsin, I'm going to be dressed up. And we think that the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of this universe who became flesh and died for us, it doesn't matter what we, mm -hmm. right. So that, that's all I'm saying is, is, is think through what, what kind of worth are we ascribing to our King and, and dress appropriately. I don't, I don't think that means everyone needs to be wearing suits. That's not really part of the Green Bay culture. Right. Um, you know, but if, but if I lived in New York City, mm -hmm. perhaps that's what I would do is I would wear my, my nicest suit. Mm -hmm. um, if, I, if I lived out in, a, I don't know, out in the, uh, if I was a farmer out in the middle of nowhere, which could be not that far from Green Bay, Wisconsin, actually, Right. Correct. It it might be I'm going to wear my my jeans that are the cleanest that don't have holes. Right. I you know so it, it's it's a it's relative in that regard culturally relative. Mm -hmm. But I I think the idea that um, church is supposed to be someplace where we feel comfortable is a lie. And that what you how you present yourself is a manifestation of a heart attitude. Yes. Yeah. And there are some people who have just never thought of it, mm -hmm. which, is, which is good. But now you've heard, <laughs> you've heard this podcast. Now you're required <laughs> to think about it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wanted to, I just want to bring those couple, two things up is, um, is we are living through the, the damage of the seeker sensitive fiasco 
that has wrought a, a tremendous damage to the uh, to the Church of Jesus Christ over the last several years. In an effort to gain uh, large churches with very few com- converts, we have lost the entire Christian, the, the entire culture, mm-hmm. because it doesn't appear that we believe uh, what we say mm-hmm. in the way we act, the way we dress, the way we worship. Like, mm-hmm. it just, you know, church is just another option, I guess. Anyway, I'm going to stop there and uh, tune in next week when we talk about... What are we talking about next week? Evangelism. Evangelism. Yeah. Awesome.